Oh, boys and mostly girls. <laughs> and also, anybody who, like me, is like, you know, somewhere in the middle there. It's, I don't... Is it? Is it? I don't remember our demographics. It's mostly women. I think it's women. like mostly women. It's like 60% yeah. women. Of, <laughs> that is the true crime demographic. Well, How it's yeah. the same as everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's mostly women. Except for our fucking massive statistic for uh, non-binary people. Yep. Uh, comparatively. Comparatively. Yeah, I actually, because we're cool like that. We're cool like that. And we're hip like that. Yeah, so I'm not afraid to explore gender on this podcast. <laughs> I'm not a cuck. But all right, so I fucked up my coworker yesterday by telling him that uh, Assassin's Creed Black Flag is over 11 years old. 11 years is light work, <laughs> and these they really do be freaking out about it. I know, but <clears throat> it was because uh, Skull and Bones just finally came out, and yeah, it's getting... the open beta was happening. Yeah, uh, and it's just a worse version of only the ship combat from Black Flag. That's all it is. How could they- and if it were like 30 bucks, I'd buy it and I'd play that. Not for me. If I want only the ship ba- combat from Assassin's Creed Black Flag, I'll just go play Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Odyssey? Really? Yes. It's literally... The same combat, except it's triremes instead of uh, European style ships. Okay, I hope that's it. I hope that the we do have to stop talking yes. about Assassin's Creed. God damn it! Immediately. You fucking brought it up. <laughs> <laughs> you fucking brought it up. So welcome everybody to Two Towns Over. As you can tell, we are trying to avoid this topic at all to- costs today. I am Father Donathan. Uh. <laughs> I'm not Altair, I promise. <laughs> I'm Josh, also known as uh, McDonald's number one customer. <laughs> oh, you're gonna love our midweek. So, then. so you support? So you support Israel? Is that what you're saying? Is that, is that... <laughs> okay, I'm, I'm sorry. Did I say McDonald's? I meant Waterburger. I'm kidding. I literally went to McDonald's today. <laughs> I was gonna say I, I said that because you have a McDonald's bag on the floor right now. Yeah, that's because that's the only food. That I could afford in the time that I had. So, so anybody who listened last week knows with and saw what they clicked on this week knows we are back to good old Teddy Boy. And uh, this week we're going to get dark, people. So, um, I'm guessing, right, Josh? I was born that way, Don. Uh, yeah. So this episode, um, I have a couple of disclaimers to run by. Before uh, Don reads every word in my eloquent title. Fuck you. Um, I have asthma. I will die if I read that title. <laughs> okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. So, um, a couple of things. I don't know if we're going to get to the part today, because this is surprise if you're not in the Discord. I told everyone there last night, uh, this just became a three-part series. I... That I wanted to do it in two. I really did. But I spent maybe too much time on his early life. And I forgot just how many victims there are to talk about. So the majority of this episode might just end up being uh, rapid fire victims for the entire episode. 
Um, I Hooray. do not want to say or hear the word rape a hundred fucking times in this episode. So uh, for future reference, as this episode goes on, assault interchangeable with rape. We all know what Ted Bundy did. We don't need to go into detail about it every even, single time. Even I know what Ted Bundy did, which the whole premise of this fucking podcast is I don't know shit about shit. So <laughs> that should tell you, you get it. <laughs> um, also, this ended up being like for all of the research that I did and even I, I worked on uh, these scripts. Josh has been working on this for like almost a month now. Yeah, I, I worked on these scripts. Like normally, if if I do a script, I'll do like all of my research throughout the week. Sometimes I'll even take notes. Like on this one, I took a bunch of notes. Um, I even I almost made a whole work cited page for this, but then I remembered nobody would give a shit. <laughs> so, <laughs> I, normally I will write the entire script, however many pages the night before we record and just uh, have it ready to go for the next day. This one, I didn't do that. I started working on these scripts uh, well beforehand from different sources. If there is a piece of Ted Bundy media that is not like a, a reenactment or a, a dramatized like for entertainment type of thing, I've seen it or I've listened to it uh, aside from some of the books because I don't have time to listen to that many books. But I had to listen to a whole audiobook. So effectively everything that I have in here I have independently verified, but we are gonna reach a point in this script where I realized I was in way over my head and were effectively reading the Wikipedia article. Like straight from it. I can't cite any like particular authors from that because it's Wikipedia. But I have independently verified effectively all of the information that's here from six other sources at different points in time. Sometimes it turns out uh, somebody on Wikipedia spent a lot more time than we have oh, wording yeah. it better than we could. Yes. Uh, so I, I just I didn't have the time or resources to entirely do this myself but uh i think for the most part everything that we hear today will be in my own words um but probably starting next week it's going to be a lot of uh read straight from the wikipedia article yeah this we do a lot of work for this podcast which we could just use wikipedia for based on the premise of this very silly true crime podcast <laughs> yeah but we love you guys and we like our jobs so we do the work it's I, I really busted my ass on this one and it just still was not enough. I, I just did not have it in me while working a, a full time job. Turns out so that takes a lot of effort. Yeah. <laughs> All right. In fact, I'm not sure how how fucking uh Don did it, even with a work from home job. That shit seems insane to yeah, me. Yeah, me either. I'll never understand. I'm just that fucking awesome. You're That's goddamn true. right. So um did you work in like a, a break? I don't care what script? Brandon says about you. <laughs> <laughs> Did I work in a stopping point? Yeah. No. Okay. No, we'll just have to figure it out. 
Okay, well, we'll go with that. <laughs> hey, 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 fuck it. We'll do it live. <laughs> All right. Because I wasn't sure, because like I said, so much of this is going to be rapid-fire victims. Yeah. I don't know if we're just going to get dead inside and quiet, <laughs> or like the 16th victim of Ted Bundy was 17-year-old... You know, <laughs> whoever Amelia Clark is an, I don't a real know if, famous if person. We're just but. gonna like shut down and just listen to uh, murder victims and the uh, details there, of their disappearances. There may or may not be a period of that. We'll see. Or if we're gonna get super uh, aggro about it. So you know, I don't know where exactly. No los dos? I could have worked in. <laughs> I don't know where exactly I could have worked in a. Uh, a stopping point. So, you know, we'll, we'll see. All right. Gotcha. So, like I said, I'm, I have asthma and I'm no way, shape or form reading this. I will say the point behind it is when Josh shared on the discord that it was a 19 page script. I jokingly said, if you removed all the fuck Ted Bundy's out of the script, it would be a haiku uh, to which Josh went and added a 20th page, which is literally the title page. And it literally just says fuck Ted Bundy probably about 200 times. So <laughs> I I thought about putting it in like eight point font just so I could fit more on the first page. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so <I'll... laughs> it's like and, and if Don will get out his magnifying glass, he'll be able to read the title, like the fucking Santa Claus card, where it's like, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah, get the extra exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, last week we discussed Ted Bundy's death and early life. This week we're getting into the fucked up stuff. This is the part where all those content warnings become relevant. To reiterate, they include torture, assault, which in some instances involved minors, psychological manipulation, dismemberment, and necrophilia. If you aren't able to safely hear discussions of those topics or just aren't in the headspace for it right now, there's no hard feelings. Now, following Ted's successful long-term manipulation of his ex- In fact, very soft feelings. We love you. Yes. Do what? I said very soft feelings. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> following Ted's successful long-term manipulation of his ex-girlfriend, Diane, he felt emboldened enough to take his exercises in control to a more Oh, yeah, that place. motherfucker! I hate him. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, just real quick, because I don't... Some people wait until these are out to binge them. Some people wait a whole week or a few days between episodes. So just a quick refresher, Ted Bundy, uh, born uh, the definition of a bastard, uh, doesn't know who his real father is. I think we still to this day don't know who his real father was. Theorized it may have been his grandfather. He had an okay relationship with his mother, but she lied to him the whole time. Uh, it was believe- He grew up believing that his mother was his sister and his grandpa was his dad and his grandma was his mom. Uh, he went to college. He was a fuck up. He couldn't do college. Uh, he dropped out like a couple of times. Uh, he dated a girl. She was too good for him. She was better than him at everything. Uh, she dumped him. He dated another girl. He rekindled his relationship with this woman, Diane, uh, and led her on for six months to where they became engaged and then completely cut off all contact with her and uh when she finally got in touch with him to ask him what the fuck he said diane i don't know what you're talking about and hung up the phone that's some real serial killer shit oh wait (laughs) and that was where we left off last week uh while there's no real consensus listen uh just real quick sorry don i know there's a little bit of a delay so i tried to jump in but um if you are like 
in and out of college or like in and out of relationships, that's not necessarily an indication that you're a serial killer. We like to point out that no individual aspect of any serial killer's life means that they were supposed to become a serial killer. No. It's just interesting to compile a, a life, essentially. It's interesting to look at a life retrospectively and say, how did we end up here? It's the same thing that you do for yourself when you're like, man, how did kid me end up in my job or whatever? Right. And well, like Ted Bundy specifically is the dictionary definition of psychopathic serial killer. Yeah. Homie was broken when he came out. Yeah. Um, And it got worse from there. Like it, nobody helped him. He never discovered these problems and asked for help he essentially purposefully became more evil as he grew i I, like because he liked it i don't want to like get you guys too too riled up but since it is kind of a running joke uh with this podcast uh ted bundy's uh murder kit is at zach bagan's haunted museum a fucking course it is. Why wouldn't it be? Where else would it be? You're right, Josh. Where else would it be? I I, I literally believe... don't know of any other place that I would think about. Well, I the... can't believe that Zach Bagans doesn't have the Volkswagen Beetle. He's got Kevorkian's van. You're kind of right. You know sure what? He does. There is exactly one other place it could be, and it's Nick Nicholas Cage's house. It might be at the well, <laughs> but that's funny. Yeah, yeah, those are very different vibe. <laughs> well, you have the you shared the picture of the Volkswagen. It looked like it was on display somewhere. Where was that from? Uh, that was at a true crime museum that is now defunct. Oh. I don't know where the car is currently. I wonder if it's at the Museum of Death in L.A. That's possible. All right. I'll look it up while you keep reading. So following Ted's successful (laughs) long-term manipulation of his ex-girlfriend, Diane, he felt emboldened to take his uh, enough to take his exercises and control to a more physical place. Now, while there's no real consensus on when Bundy became violent, we can start from his earliest confirmable attack, which took place very shortly after his final conversation with Diane. Between New Year's... Okay, real quick. uh, It is... At the Alcatraz East Crime Museum. There you go. Okay. Uh, between New Year's Eve... Oh, yeah, crime museums, I guess. Yeah. That's a thing. Between New Year's Eve 1973... So that's three places. You go, you go. Between New Year's Eve 1973 and June of 1974, college students in the Pacific Northwest would disappear at a rate of about one per month. On the night of January 4th, 1974... Damn. Bundy would break into the basement apartment of 18-year-old University of Washington student Karen Sparks using a metal rod that he had removed. So this is this is actually like the same night that he uh, had that last phone conversation with Diane Edwards. And this is the woman that like looked like her. They all look like her. Okay. Okay. Right. Um. Quick question. Uh, maybe a couple of exceptions here or there, but for the most part, out of the like thirty confirmed <sighs> victims, uh, they they all look like her. All look wow. like Diane Edwards. Yes. Um, did did you say, Don, that at this point in time, college students were disappearing once a month? Yes, more than more than, more than once, a than once a month, just willy nilly, just across the country. 
Uh, no, in the Pacific like Northwest. Him. No, as in accredited officially to Ted Bundy. God damn. Uh, pay attention to the dates as we go through these. Yeah, 80s, what uh, so year are we're, we in We're now. starting on um, January 4th, Where is it? I have the script up to January 4th, 1974. I, I don't give the year. Going forward, uh-huh. uh, it's 1974 until clarified otherwise. Okay, uh, we're about to go from January. I think I typed June here, but we're actually going to go all the way up through July. It is more than one a month. Jesus. So on the night of January 4th, 1974, Bundy would break into the basement apartment of 18-year-old University of Washington student Karen Sparks, using a metal rod that he removed from her bed frame. Bundy proceeded to bludgeon Sparks in the head before using the same weapon to assault her. Sexually. This attack resulted in the rupturing of her bladder. Karen would lie in a coma for over 10 days in the hospital following the attack, but miraculously survived, albeit, oh my god, albeit with lifelong injuries including brain damage and severe impairment to her sight and hearing. Less than a full. So that's the that is the very first confirmed victim Jesus. of Ted Bundy, and uh, to jump just a tiny bit ahead, just the next sentence. Uh, the the next crime is on February first. Less than a full month, they only uh, increase in uh, frequency. frequency from here for the next few months. God damn. Four days into the year, and here we go again. Yeah. So less than a full month later, on February 1st, a similar scenario would play out in another basement room at uh, UW. I guess that's University of Washington. Yeah, University of Washington. 21-year-old Linda Ann yeah, Healy. My fingers were tired. Yeah. Linda Ann Healy. Because you type fuck Ted Bundy 20,000 times. <laughs> 21-year-old Linda Ann Healy was known for broadcasting weather reports for skiers, disappeared from her room. Bundy would later confess that he broke in and beat her unconscious, but Linda was not so lucky as to survive her encounter with the scumfuck piece of shit little bastard boy. So, not a fan? Not a no. fan. <laughs> he dressed her in hiking clothes before taking... No, 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 no. Notice the, notice the contrast here. When we were talking about uh, Ed Gein, we were like, oh, that oddball... In, in the script, I I I called him Eddie Gein yeah. a couple yeah. of times. Yeah, <laughs> we disrespect serial killers here, but in very different ways. <laughs> with, with Ted Bundy, I that wasn't Don. That was me in the script. Scumfuck, piece of shit, little bastard boy. I fucking hate him so much. <laughs> There's so many insults that I want to call people like on a regular basis because I work in retail. Yeah, but who better to use them on? I love that Bundy. you and I are very different in that regard, that I never store an insult. It's got to be fresh every time, because otherwise I can't come up with stone him with his own bones. Like, <laughs> I want, or like the eagle thing that I said the last time, can't remember who for, but that guy, um, <clears throat> it's got to be fresh. But it's so weird that we're like opposite ends of the spectrum where we both have this sort of customer service rage uh-huh. that fuels these insults. It's hospitality and retail, man. It's just, <laughs> it's it's truly magnificent. I, I really, y'all, I'm so friendly at work. 
These people would never know how close I come to telling them to absolutely go fuck themselves and their moms. Like, it's crazy. I'm so good at my job. It's wild. I just, some of these people get so needy, though. And you're like, wow, I, wow, wow. You know? Anyway, fuck Ted Bundy. So, yeah, so Linda was not so lucky as to survive. Uh, Bundy dressed her in hiking clothes before taking her into the woods sexually assaulting her and murdering her and then dumping her body in March. The next victim would be a student of Evergreen state college in Olympia. Now it's around this time that Bundy began varying his jurisdictions in which he committed his crimes in order to avoid detection by any one particular police department on March 12th, 19 year old Donna Gail Mason left her dorm to see a jazz concert that was taking place elsewhere on campus. Somewhere between her room and the concert, she was taken by Bundy, likely assaulted, murdered, and then later burned in Elizabeth Clofer's fireplace. He said he did it to quote Jesus in a fit of paranoia. And I'm going to keep doing that. You just keep going. Okay. So yeah, he did it. He said he did it in a fit of paranoia and cleanliness. Again, on April 17th, 18-year-old Susan Elaine Rancourt disappeared on her way home from a student advisors meeting. Later, two other female students made reports that they'd been solicited for help by a man wearing a sling who was attempting to carry an armful of books to a tan Volkswagen Beetle. On May 6th... So, what are we at? Five or six? Uh, oh, four. We're about five to talk actual about victims. And April, then... April, we're at four. Yeah. April, we're at four. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so, like, there was one story uh, from this particular instance <clears throat> in April where he had... You know, he had solicited a few girls because he would just try and yeah. try again until he got someone who would go with him. And uh, I, I believe this is the time where, like, there was one girl who uh, was helping him at first. And then he she never turned her back to him. And he kept like trying to get her to walk ahead of him. And she's like, no, you have to lead me to where your car is. So you walk ahead. Or he would, he like very obviously on purpose dropped a book in front of him to try and get her to bend over and pick it up. And she was like, no, I think you got it. And she put the books down and she left because she felt like there was something off. Yeah. Hey ladies. I mean, nobody, but ladies, especially don't, Trust men. Don't do it. I read a thing today that was like a piece of advice that somebody gives their daughter is never like if a man don't trust, don't help a man because he's not going to stop to help you. It, essentially saying <clears throat> if you're like broke down on the side of the road, if there's a man that's broke down on the side of the road and he's asking for help from women specifically, don't trust that motherfucker because i personally am not i the way i look the way i talk i'm not gonna stop and help you ladies i'm sorry i'm too scary in a situation like that i'm not gonna be a helpful i'm you're gonna be paranoid and you're gonna be scared and sketchy and i'm not gonna have it i'm not gonna be the cause of that i might call the police and have you know maybe sit and film or something and that's but I'm what not i gonna was gonna say was I like the person to help you. You know what I mean? Yeah, I was going to say, I, I would probably, like, pull over and, right. like, sit 
in my car because I don't want to get out and make anyone uncomfortable. I mean, I'll say, hey, I'll make you know I'm here. I'm calling for help, but I'm going to sit and make sure that it's actually help. But I'm not going to get out of my car. Yeah. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not I'm not fucking around with that. But don't trust. Don't trust it because it's way too often. It's this situation or something similar like it's it's certainly not worth the gamble that it might absolutely be. it's absolutely not worth it like, although it's way less common for things like this to happen today sure. just because it's so much harder to get away with it and also culture is changing but at the same time there are still a very vocal very fucking right out in front visible group of men still doing awful things yeah. because they can they just they just get caught a lot faster now um which is like what what i said uh, a paragraph ago or so where it's, uh bundy had started uh doing his crimes in different jurisdictions because at that time in the 70s there was no national database there's, for crimes like this i don't know the exact statistic but it is still like the majority of perpetrators like of rape do not go to jail oh yeah and that it's better than it was back then but not by enough to be risky with it ladies that's all i'm saying like that's that's for you know, fear of the the stigma, which you know, I'll jump ahead here a little bit again. This way, I want to talk about it later. When we get to uh, the university attacks, uh, when he's taking victims from universities uh, almost exclusively, there was one woman who got into a car with Ted Bundy. Um, he was uh, a law student at the time, or at least he said he was, and... <coughs> Uh, he had offered to drive her home because the bus didn't come on time. And she ended up getting knocked out. By the time she came to, they were pulled over in a park, and she was lying in the grass. She realized that she had been assaulted while she was unconscious, and uh, she saw Ted Bundy rooting around in his car for something and she managed to get up and take off. She didn't report that until much, much, much later. I believe until Ted Bundy was arrested. She didn't tell anybody. She went home and watched news reports about other attacks that were taking place by the same perpetrator, and she thought, well, good, now I don't have to report it because he's already been he's already being looked for. Yeah. Fucking, I wish I could force it to be better. I know. You know? Yeah. I just wish I had that power. Like, if I got one wish, I would spend my entire life like a fucking alchemist in a story. Like, just learning sentence structure so that I so get it perfect. Perfect. Yeah, I would spend literally eighty-five fucking years just doing that, and then with my final breath, I would make the wish that would make the world perfect. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, and not perfect like utopian. I mean, instead of the direction we're heading in now, it would refocus in a different direction. Free yeah. will would not be affected. This is why I would spend so long. 
doing uh-huh. sentence structure, you see, because perfect is a hard thing to define. Anyway, let's continue. So on May 6th, Bundy claims he convinced 22-year-old Roberta Kathleen Parks to go to a bar with him. After she got into his car, she was tied up, gagged, and driven back to Washington. Uh, Along the way, Bundy claimed to have sexually assaulted her twice before murdering her and dumping her body in the woods. Which brings us to June 1st, so not even a month. Brenda Carroll Ball, 22. No, no, he he stops waiting a whole month around this time. It's just boom, boom, one one after another. (laughs) Sorry, I just read ahead a little bit. So uh, June 1st, Brenda Carroll Ball, 22, was last seen in the parking lot of the Seattle-Tacoma International Airport, speaking with a man with his arm in a sling. Fuckface would later claim that he had taken her home for consensual intercourse before strangling her to death while she slept. Less than two weeks later, in the early hours of June 11th, 18-year-old University of Washington student Georgianne Hawkins vanished while walking down a brightly lit alley between her boyfriend's dormitory residence and her sorority house. The next morning, three Seattle homicide detectives and a criminalist combed the entire alleyway on their hands and knees, finding nothing. Fuckface on clown stick. Full, if we date, you not walking home alone, because if we if you die, that means I'm dead already. Like, I'm just not having it. So, uh, I did, I, I rewrote this paragraph and uh, uh fucked up here um he would later claim that he had taken her home for consensual intercourse before strangling her to death while she slept uh he was full of shit uh probably about the whole thing because she when her body was discovered uh, she had severe head injuries yeah same shit as the same as everybody yeah, else. Normal MO, yes. Yeah. And he just was a compulsive liar. Yeah. He was a compulsive liar. He was a kleptomaniac. He was a psychopath. Yeah. Sorry, I'm moving things around. So, fuckface on clown stick uh, later told. I think. <laughs> I think it's important to point out that he was a fourth thing, and that's a serial killer. This is oh, important. We're going to point out that he was something even worse later on. But let's go. No, no. Some Bundy later told Keppel that he lured Hawkins to his car and knocked her unconscious with a crowbar. After handcuffing her, he drove her to Issaquah, a suburb 20 miles east of Seattle, where he strangled her and spent the entire night with her body. The next afternoon, he returned to the University of Washington Alley and in in the very midst of a major crime scene investigation, located and gathered Hawkins' earring and one of her shoes where he had left them in the adjoining parking lot and departed, unobserved. It was a feat so brazen, wrote Keppel. While people were there? Yes, while they were investigating. Nigga. <laughs> what? That's that's beyond bold. That's you, He thinks he's God. Wait, Don, read the next line. Uh, it was a feat so brazen, wrote Keppel, yeah, Keppel, that it astonishes police even today. Bundy said he revisited Hawkins's corpse on three occasions. He's that's a god complex. That's a yes. god complex. There's yes. no other explanation in my head. No fucking way. No way. Listen, li- I was not a good teen. I may have stolen a lot of things from certain conglomerate retail establishment <laughs> establishments but um the point that i'm trying to make is yeah boldness is part of that to get away with things children know that 
like a 10 year old knows if I say it confidently enough, my mom will believe me or whatever. Like that's way past that. Yeah. Way past. And well, it. this is the result of Ted Bundy being such a clean cut, normal average looking dude like he was attractive for the time period but he just looked so incredibly unassuming yeah he didn't look like magic in the books that i read you understand that that literally being unnoticeable is varying levels of difficulty in the in the fantasy novels that i read like that shit is why like that's crazy you can do that in real life, but you do have to look normal. Like, you do have to be as normal as everyone else. Right. <clears throat> like, neither you nor me nor Don, for that matter, could be so unassuming in a crowd that nobody would... We, we all have distinguishable things about us. It depends that, on the crowd. That's fair. It depends on the crowd. But that's part of it, though. It's That's the thing, is he's so fucking generic, he fits in at the crime, and then later at the investigation. Do you understand that? Do you understand? That's crazy. Yeah, because I guarantee you that I would oh, be... Oh, and to... also... No, sorry, go ahead, Don. No, I was going to say, I'd be a lot harder to pick out of a uh, like a Yacht Rock concert than you guys would be. <laughs> that's what i'm saying yeah. you go to you go to disney world on a fucking friday afternoon it's field trip day that's 60 percent of it there right there the chaperones that's all you know what i'm saying yeah like i was gonna say you don't remember seeing don at comic con but right if, if you if he you saw there. him at like if you saw me at a lawyer convention you're gonna be like that guy stands out yep Actually, when yep. when Brandon, uh, I'm at a Taylor Swift concert, something is going on that you're like, who the fuck invited this guy? <laughs> like, when Brandon and I were driving cross country while we were in Texas, like outside of Austin, we saw a um, a billboard for a lawyer that I swear to God looked like he could have been Rob Zombie's twin brother. Yeah. <laughs> yes. One hundred percent. Also. Just uh, in the interest of clarity and being forward about it, that last paragraph was uh, from Wikipedia because I could not put it in uh, uh, better better words than that. Wikipedia was just one of the sources that I was pulling all this from. That last paragraph was copied and pasted straight. So after Hawkins's disappearance became publicized, witnesses came forward to report seeing a man on crutches with a leg cast and carrying a briefcase in an alley behind a nearby dormitory on the night of her disappearance. One woman recalled that the man asked her to help him carry the case to his car, which was a light brown Volkswagen Beetle. During this period, Bundy was working in Olympia as the assistant director of the Seattle Crime Prevention Advisory Commission, where he wrote a pamphlet for women on rape prevention. Wow. Later. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm going to need you to run that back. <laughs> no, it was what you thought it was. No, I I'm going to no, I need I want to hear that again. Excuse me. Bundy was working huh? in Olympia as the assistant director of the Seattle Crime Prevention Advisory Commission where he wrote a pamphlet for women on rape prevention. Don't trust men. <laughs> Fucking wow. Also yeah, fuck the police. I what? Also, the same guy who I will remind you worked at the Seattle Suicide Hotline. Yeah, 
Wow. We uh, talked about that last week. I had forgotten that. Uh-huh. So later, he... Wor- what a... Wow. That's going to become uh, lightly relevant again uh, a little bit later as well. So later, he worked at the Department of Emergency Services, a state government agency involved in the search for the missing women. Jesus Christ. At the DES, he met and began dating Carol Ann <laughs> yes! Boone. Yes! I'm fucking saying, right? He got himself ingrained in the investigations, which is, again, when I said before that Ted Bundy is the stereotype of a serial killer, this is what I meant. This is the shit that the police look for now. It's all the stuff that Ted Bundy did. Bro, the first thing I'm going to do if I'm looking for a serial killer is investigate the motherfuckers investigating the shit. What the hell? It's like, what? What? Yes. That's, that's, okay. Everybody knows the Zodiac Killer like to send cryptic shit, whatever. Again, I don't know how to explain what a God complex is more than that. Like, the idea that... You are so powerful in your own head that you can both kill this woman and convince everyone else that you are genuinely trying to look for her. That's on some psychopathic God complex nonsense. Like, I'll take the opportunity to remind you that Ted Bundy is, by definition, clinically a near perfect psychopath he scored 39 out of 40 on the psychopathy test absolutely absurd and while he was uh, while he did have a very high iq i don't want to call him smart because he's not that fucking smart he's really just not he had a very high iq he had a, a a good um a good capacity for taking in knowledge but the only thing that he used his high iq for was assault murder and not even really avoiding detection because the avoiding detection was done uh, entirely by the merit of him being <coughs> an unassuming clean-cut law student that's what kept the police off of him, and we'll we'll get to something about that here before too long. Couldn't be this normal-looking white boy. Uh-huh. So at the DES, which was the Department of Emergency Services, he met and began dating Carol Ann Boone, a twice-divorced mother of two who would play an important role in the final phase of his life six years later. Now, with increased media coverage came increased public fear and pressure on law enforcement agencies. So police were also receiving criticism for withholding major details of the cases in order to avoid compromising the investigation. However, even the most major details the police had were not enough to link any one individual to all of the murders. This would change when Bundy's... Uh, remember that name as well, please. Uh, keep a pin in that. Carol Ann Boone, Carol- who we met at the DES. Uh, very important. Later. What month are we in? We're still in... April still? No, we're in June. June, June, yeah. June, June. Yeah, we're up to June. We're, so we're, about we're halfway through the year. About yeah, we're we're almost through like the the big section. Well, here. not quite halfway, but yeah. So 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 we're what five months in? We've got six murders. We're six months and six murders. Yeah. 
Yeah, or five murders and one attempted murder, and she survived miraculously right, the first at the beginning. One, right. um, and 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 he is already working on the fucking rape prevention council, and also the the committee for looking for these women who disappeared. Right. Yes. What the fuck? What the fuck? Disgusting. So yeah, the uh, the police had not. The details that the police had was not enough to link any one individual to all of the murders. Now, this would change when Bundy's bloodlust would lead him to do something bold, even by his own standards. On July 14th, in broad daylight and from the same location, Bundy took two separate victims. At Lake Sammamish State Park, four separate witnesses reported being approached by an attractive man in a white tennis outfit who wore a sling on his arm. All of them gave the same story, that the man had introduced himself as Ted and asked for the help unloading a sailboat from his car. Three outright refused, while one followed him close enough to see his car and ran when she saw that there was no sailboat attached. Janice Ann Ott, a 23-year-old juvenile probation caseworker, would believe the story and leave the beach with Bundy. Less than five hours later, 19-year-old Denise Marie Lassland left her picnic with her friends to use the restroom and never returned. Bundy would later confess that he had left Janice tied up while he went and abducted Denise. God damn. And that when he returned, he forced one victim to watch as he assaulted and murdered the other before doing the same to her. He would later recant this confession the night before his execution as if it fucking mattered at that point. Now... The main takeaway from the events of July 14th is that the police finally had multiple eyewitnesses corroborating each other's stories. This would result in a detailed and largely accurate police sketch, as well as an APB for a tan or brown Volkswagen Beetle. Four people who knew Bundy, including his... Uh, it was like this normal-looking fucking white guy. He had a tan Volkswagen Beetle. I remember that, because tan cars are weird even in the 70s. <laughs> Actually, no, not so much. Not in the so 70s. weird. Tan in the 70s, and brown you're was right. a way. Remember, they had like all the wood paneling station wagons I and shit. Yeah. So f- I was raised by my grandmother a lot. So four people. I do remember the orange and the brown. Four people who knew Bundy, including his former psychology professor Ann Rule, his former coworker at the Suicide Prevention Hotline, and his own girlfriend Elizabeth Clofer, called in tips about him. This brought his name to the very top of the pile, where he was then discarded as a suspect on the basis that there was no way such a clean-cut law student could be behind such heinous crimes. Also, with the- He has such a promising future. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. It is exactly that. Couldn't be him. He's a normal-looking white kid with a promising future. So also within this period, the remains of the previous victims would be discovered by various parties. In August of 1974, Bundy went back to law school in Salt Lake City, where he found, when he found he just couldn't hack it and watched as his classmates surpassed him, he turned back to being a monster instead. On September 2nd... So this is when you always hear about serial killers having a cooling off period, him going back to law school for a brief time, he had uh, a few months... Uh, of a cooling down period we think because he never confessed to all of his murders some experts based on the behavior based on his patterns based on the way 
people who went to school for this kind of thing interpret it. They believe that he kept killing in that time period. Yeah, it feels like he may... When you said, Don, that he did... So, I actually have an interpretation that kind of sort of fits both. Don said that he did something that was bold, even for him. It led to this pretty accurate police sketch, and the only reason he got out of it was because they were like, there's no fucking way, you know? Yeah. He's got all these credentials behind him. He worked for the suicide hotline. He's he's literally the rape prevention guy. Like, he, you know, he's been on the search with the, you know what I'm saying? It can't be him. Um, You're right. It's the 70s. Every third fucking law student has a tan beetle or whatever. Um, so <clears throat> I would say that may have scared him. And I fully don't believe he would have stopped killing at, no. in between. No, he thought he was unstoppable. And I believe all he did was dial it back a little bit. Like, not necessarily in frequency, but in boldness. Yeah. Like, just he learned how to be secretive. Because, so, his strength, more or less, in, in terms of abducting women... Was he was pretty good at uh, planning the abduction. His his strategy for that was down pat. Yeah, it's he would convince a woman to come with him. Usually, when she was alone and nobody else would see, or if anybody did see, they would see from a far enough distance that their only description was, "Uh, yeah, average guy, average height, average build, sling on his arm." Oh, uh, like you, actually, kind yeah, of a little yeah, bit. He, he looked just like uh, th you, this cop over here. And also him. Uh-huh, and... And kind of a little bit that guy. secretary out front. And this guy over here. And the maitre d' at my favorite fucking restaurant. Yeah, like, <laughs> he looked like every waiter that I've had in the last ten years. Like, man. Oh, the stories like this make me so sad. So... But he was not good at cover-up. Yeah. He put he put no planning into his cover up or disposal. He was really. all about committing the crimes, the act, not figuring out how to get away with it. Essentially, yes. And we also that's another thing we've talked about with serial killers before is uh, essentially the two major classifications that serial killers fall into, which is product killers and process killers. Process killers enjoy the process of killing. Product killers enjoy what they do with the victim after they are dead. And Ted Bundy doesn't consistently fit into either mold because he maintained that he didn't enjoy the process of actually killing women, that he did it as a necessity to avoid being caught. But also... That's scary. The... Oh, the wow. the attacks are so brutal and monstrous that there is no way he did not get enjoyment out of them. Like, you don't assault a woman with a metal pipe uh, just as a method of killing her. That that yeah. is that is an image of a process killer. Yeah. Because if it was oh my god, I hate having to talk like this but i know it, oh god 
it, 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 if it was just, oh God, I hate the word logical, but it, it, it is logical. If it is just killing the victim, is it's easier to get away with it, mm-hmm. harder to get caught, then a bullet would suffice. Right. But or the, or a knife yeah to the throat or whatever right. or, like or even <clears throat> bludgeoning as with an improvised weapon that makes sense as a a process killer just killing to dispose of a witness but then uh we also see um these instances where he would revisit the victim's bodies he even, uh, I don't think I have anything in the script about it, but he would go back and he would wash them, shampoo their hair, take photographs. That is absolutely a product killer. It's, it's, it, that, to me, is akin to Albert Fish. Oh, yeah. Yeah, kind of. A little bit. like Because a- Albert Fish was a process killer. He was like obsessed with one very specific corpse but well no no, no. are you thinking um, not albert fish yeah. um um tansler the, t- yeah tansler. T- life according to tansler yeah. um <laughs> tansler according to carl according to carl yeah um he carl tansler he he was he was like uber obsessed with this one very one very specific corpse yeah but it's that disgusting sort of twisted care of the body mm-hmm. that really fucks me up because it's like you that's tenderness which tells me tenderness is in you but not for living people right like what that's wild so on september that's broken This podcast is powered by Podbean Podcast Hosting. Are you thinking about starting your own podcast or looking for the best home for your podcast? Check out all the amazing features Podbean offers with unlimited bandwidth and storage for an affordable price. That's right, unlimited. Visit www.podbean.com slash unlimited to check it out today. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash unlimited. On September 2nd, Bundy picked up a hitchhiker whose identity is still unknown to this day. We don't need to go into further detail here. You get the idea by this point. Assault, murder, repeat. He did return the next day, took photographs, dismembered the body, and disposed of it in a nearby river. On October 2nd, in Holiday, Utah, Bundy abducted 16-year-old Nancy Wilcox. She was walking on a poorly lit road when he drove up, pushed her into the passenger side of his car, and drove her back to his apartment where he allegedly kept her for around 24 hours. Though Bundy later confessed where her remains were, they were never located. On October 18th, he would fuck up by abducting and carrying out his usual MO on Melissa Ann Smith, a 17-year-old daughter of a police chief. Later examination of her body... What month are we in? We're in October now. He took a two-month break from July... Jeez, actually, same year. All, all yeah, 1974. Yeah. That's why I asked month. Holy fuck. Like... That's at least okay. Assuming he did not stop killing, that's what fifteen. No, that would have been somewhere about like what? Well, by by like this 13- point, it's uh, I have skipped a couple. Yeah, in here. That's why I'm like I'm just kind of like we had we had 
six attempts, but five successes at month five. But by month five, he he had done two in less than 14 days. So assuming he kept up a sort of a pattern like that, he's at he's up by at least two. So he's probably at 10 or 12 by now ish. Yeah, I'm guessing. That's crazy. Because I I skipped a couple of victims in here that were uh, just uh, effectively repeats of, like, what I was going for in talking about each of these individual victims, because I don't want to just be doing this as, like, murder porn. Listen to all these people that Ted Bundy raped and murdered. Yeah. Um... I I wanted to make sure that they all said something about his MO. Yeah. And it's I mean, I've gotten a good picture of it. Like I could describe it. He yes. drives to a place where women I'm, I'm his age ish are, and he gets a sling or some other pe- uh, some crutches sometimes or something that makes it look like he is injured in some way and needs help with something. Mm-hmm. And something he, that elicits sympathy. Right. And he'll go up and he'll just ask women who are alone or have been separated from their friends for help, get them into his car, and then commit his crimes. Yes. And then fucking go back and do it again. Like, to another place, or sometimes it seems the same fucking place. Mm-hmm. So, you know... Yeah, it's he he knew that he could uh, get away with taking up to three victims from the same police jurisdiction before he needed to switch it up. That's wild because he was involved in politics, which meant by extension, he had connections with law enforcement. He, he knew was how involved they in the searches. It. Yeah. Like, he knew exactly what the methods were. Yes. So you just plan around that. Yeah. Wild. So, yeah, uh, Melissa Ann Smith, 17-year-old daughter of police chief, um, later examination of her body would lead investigators to believe that she may have been alive for up to seven days between her disappearance and the discovery of her remains. On Halloween 1974, Laura Ann Amy left a Halloween party by herself and attempted to hitchhike home. Upon discovery of her remains, the medical examiner would determine that he had that she had died approximately 20 days after her disappearance. On November 8th, Bundy attempted to- And those those stand out to me big time too because I don't think that Bundy like kept them alive tied out tied up out in the woods for all that time or anything so i don't know if maybe they were runaways that he managed to find hitchhiking or if it was an instance where like maybe they got lost because it doesn't really fit his mo to keep somebody for such a prolonged period of time Especially because there would be other murders that took place in that time frame. Uh, Bundy wanted the release instantly. Yeah. So those ones are especially interesting to me. I didn't obviously have time to look into them 
super deep to try and come up with my own explanations as to uh, why there was potentially so much time passed between their disappearance and their estimated time of death. I have just had a thought. Oh, yeah? Yes. And it's not necessarily very related, but I kind of agree with you. Like, it is weird, and but also twice as horrifying somehow. Yeah. And... It's the uncertainty that makes it scarier. Yeah. And the fact that they're, some of them, I'm hearing 17, 18, he's in It gets college. worse. Like, I, yes, I know. <laughs> <sighs> but the thing that I just thought was, they. it's not that they, because for some reason when you said he wants to release, it made me have this thought that, um, and people who don't have ADHD, try to follow me on this one. I know my boys will get it, but <clears throat> um, I had the thought of like release, be, like masturbation, kind of like you get so horny and you're just like, fucking, I need to come right now. And that's essentially the same, but for a murder instinct. Uh, it's more frequently uh, likened to a drug addiction. And then I see you're there. Because yeah. <laughs> the next thing I thought of was, no, that's not quite right. Yeah. It's more like... Which, I mean, given his MO, yes, it is. But, yeah. But, but it's more like crack. Mm-hmm. Because I have a friend who was a crack addict, um, and the way that she describes it is kind of exactly like that. It's just like needing that hit. Like yeah. right now. Yes. And I mean, I've, I've known a number of drug addicts throughout my life and it's, I think interestingly, like I know this is referencing uh, a piece of media that is entirely fictional, but Dexter made the comparison very well because to Dexter, he would start to like go into withdrawal. Like he would get yeah. itchy when he really needed a kill. He tried to stop over and over and over again for a long period of time. He did manage to quit, uh, but then he, uh, there was a trigger and he fell back into it. Yeah. And that made me have the thought, what about, so various movies about various serial killers. And I think Ted Bundy is a great way to, kind of connect these dots because I remember when that Netflix documentary came out and everybody was like, Oh, he's so hot and so fun and whatever. He's so hot and funny and charming. And it was very worrying to me, but I just realized that it's because in the human brain, those two wires are already crossed a little bit. There's nothing wrong with sex and masturbation. Addiction is a disease. It that is a wrong thing that can happen to you. Yeah. I'm not gonna say that you are wrong for it because that's not what I believe and that's not what the science shows. If you disagree with me, fuck you. I don't care. Um but it's like in certain movies and certain documentaries and certain things about serial killers, we depict them as if that hit is a masturbation or a sex thing, and thus lessening its impact, I feel. I think we should show it more like that, like it, like you said Dexter does, where it's more like a drug addiction, because that is a sickness 
But the thing that made me think that is they still know it's wrong. If it was just a sex thing, that crosses in your brain doesn't necessarily make it wrong every time. There would be certain serial killers and certain serial assaulters who would not give a fuck if they got caught. But they all do care that they don't get caught. They want the recognition, but not the punishment for something that they still know is wrong. And I think that is a huge thing that probably everybody knew, except for me just now. But, like, I feel like our media could do better in that sense of, like, depicting it as something that the serial killer themselves knows is a wrong thing. Mm-hmm. But, it, but like a drug addiction, they can't or won't stop. And I think the can't or the won't depends on the serial killer. And I think yeah. Ted Bundy is a won't. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He doesn't give a fuck at all. He just doesn't want to stop. Yeah, and uh, that's going to become even more glaringly obvious uh, a little bit later, probably next episode. So November 8th, Bundy attempted to abduct 18-year-old Carol Duranch outside her workplace as a telephone operator, less than a mile from where Melissa Smith was last seen. He approached her dressed as a police officer and introduced himself as Officer Roseland, telling her that someone had broken into her car. He coaxed her into his... That's, uh, by the way, Officer Ted Roseland. He almost never used a fake name. He always introduced himself as Ted. It's such a normal name. (laughs) Well, I also think it has to do with the narcissism. True. He doesn't want to pretend to be anybody else. True. He wants to be him. He'll get away with the very minimum... Or he'll think he will. Yeah. So he coaxed her into his car, telling her that he was un- he was undercover and that he needed her to accompany him to the station to file a report. When she pointed out that they had mm. turned down a road that did not lead to the police station, Bundy pulled over and attempted to handcuff her. Thankfully, she managed to struggle hard enough to make the fucking idiot attach both cuffs to one arm, and she was able to open the door and flee to safety. Later, later the same evening, Deborah Jean Kent, a 17-year-old student at Viewmont High School in Bountiful, 20 miles north of Murray, disappeared after leaving a theater production at the school to pick up a, uh, her brother. The school's drama teacher and a student told police that a stranger had asked each of them to come out to the parking lot to identify a car. Another student later saw the same man pacing in the rear of the auditorium, and the drama teacher spotted him again shortly before the end of the play. Outside the auditorium, investigators found a key that unlocked the handcuffs removed from Durant's wrists. Bundy eventually admitted to abducting Kent and keeping her at his apartment for a day, stating that she was alive during half of it. Now, in November, Clofer, his girlfriend... So... Real, real quick, because that's the that's this is the the big one of the big moments for uh officially officially finding physical evidence that connects an attempted abduction to a confirmed abduction. Knowing that the killer is operating specifically in this area right now, so he fucked up with the handcuffs because. Carol Durant, in a heroic struggle, managed to get him to attach both sides of the cuffs to one arm. She ran away with the cuffs still attached to her. She got away. 
She went to the police, and the police have these handcuffs. Now, fingerprinting wasn't uh, wasn't a huge thing in the 70s. It, it existed, but it, they didn't have the technology for it that they do now. So, and they also didn't have Bundy's yeah, fingerprints. He wouldn't have been, been on record it. for any reason. Yeah, because I don't. I don't think necessarily that the police. Uh, I don't know for certain. I might be talking out of my ass here, but I don't think that the police had every employee's fingerprints on file the way they do today. No, and then also like, I I got fingerprinted for the third time mm-hmm. at a police precinct. The first two times it was because of like an insurance job, yeah, and like, uh, oh, because I worked for the county um, attorney for Nassau when I was a teen. Yeah, they'll put your prints and they on, put your file prints on for file for just about any government or yeah. legal related job now. Yeah, so um, you have to do that if you're going to be working with anything that could be legal or that, like, essentially has to do with. Like insurance, like I was in life insurance, so I don't know if it's like regular if car insurance is different or something, but like life insurance, they definitely take that shit serious. So if you do fraud, uh, yeah. they will catch your ass. Mm-hmm. And so then this is a, a big testament to uh, the comparison to addiction that we talked about. Uh, Ted Bundy did not get his hit when he expected it that day. So he waited a few hours and he went back out to a high school yeah, where it would be easier to get a victim and uh, again being a fucking idiot who had he was in a frenzy all the time with this he was sloppy because he was in such a rush to get that hit that he i that almost sounds dehumanizing to say get that hit i would like to because there is a 17 year old victim it's more like shark attacks yeah. It's like a feeding frenzy. He's he's hungry kind of. And unfortunately for her, the thing he's hungry for is a person. So, but it, in his sloppiness because he was in such a rush, he managed to drop the key that unlocked the cuffs that the police now had in evidence. Aren't aren't handcuff keys essentially the same? I believe they are now, but it's not like all universal. Um, it. It'll be like uh, one police station. Again, I might be wrong here. Uh, one police station, all of their cuffs mm-hmm. are unlocked by the same key, but a different police station will have key. their own cuffs with their own key type okay. of thing. Gotcha. Yeah. I mean, I'm not pressed about it. Like, as long as he's getting caught, he's getting caught. Yeah. Like. <clears throat> so, in November, Clofer, his girlfriend, called King County Police a second time after reading that young women were disappearing in towns surrounding Salt Lake City. Which, not to get off on another tangent, but if, if she was suspicious, why was she still with him? <laughs> Don, that is a question that... Yeah. Buddy, um, because... Fear is a good motivator, mm-hmm. and safety is more important in some instances than immediate freedom. Like, I am certain, I'm not certain, but it, it, it is one very good possibility that if she was suspicious that it was him, 
she was thinking that maybe the only thing keeping her safe was being his girlfriend. Gotcha. All right. Yeah, because he never killed anybody that he knew personally. Yeah. So, so she might be thinking, my only tie to fucking physical existence right now is staying in this man's life. Because what if he gets angry if he is the killer and kills me next? Well, he- he threatened her too. I have something in the script about it okay. later, but she See? confronts him about, you know, whatever. I'm joshing myself here. Yeah. Um, she confronts him about because I mentioned earlier he was a kleptomaniac. Yeah. Uh, one time she like came home or something, and there was I don't remember the exact uh, scenario or whatever, but he had a, a new television and a whole new stereo system, but he was constantly in debt, yeah. and she said something about it. And he was like, if you ever say anyone anything to anyone, I'll break your fucking neck. Yeah, so I shit love like you that. too, sweetie. <laughs> Sorry, say that again. I said I love you too, sweetie. <laughs> yeah, basically. Basically. Yeah. So, yeah, in a situation like that, prioritizing your safety is not something that I will criticize. You know, like, what if you if I found out that my girlfriend was a fucking serial killer and the only thing that I thought was keeping me safe was being in a relationship with her, I would ne- I wouldn't break up with her until the day of her execution. <laughs> Dead ass. Like uh, the same thing, like with a mob boss. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, people you, saw, you can get I'm not fucking around right now. Like. So, uh, detect, but also, yes, you should try to get out if you can, but prioritize safety, prioritize safety. So detective Randy Hergesheimer, that's a name or Hergesheimer of the major crimes division interviewed, uh, Clofer in detail by then Bundy had risen considerably to the King on the King County hierarchy of suspicion, but the Lake Sammamish witness, considered most reliable by detectives, failed to identify him from a photo lineup. I'm sorry, from a photo lineup. In December, Clofer called the Salt Lake City County Sheriff's Office and repeated her suspicions. Bundy's name was added to their list of suspects, but at that time, no credible forensic evidence linked him to the Utah crimes. In January of 1975, Bundy returned to Seattle after his final exams and spent a week with Clofer, who did not tell him that she had reported him to police on three occasions. She made plans to visit him in Salt Lake City in August. Sorry, Don. Um, Here's the thing that's crazy to me is the the when it comes to serial killers, if they're careful enough not to leave evidence of themselves like physical evidence linking themselves to a crime scene they can essentially do whatever they want and the police can know exactly how they do it and as long as they don't get caught doing it or don't get linked to it you don't know who it is essentially you know what i mean like that's the scary thing to me is that they knew that a guy who looked kind of like him was doing murders and worse to women and and also teens like not necessarily even grown women like teenagers and they knew all of this and they knew how it was being done and they still didn't know it was him at like they even 
fucking had suspected him at one time and they were like, nah, couldn't be him because they didn't have any evidence linking him directly to a murder. It's not only did they have stuff that pointed towards him, they had four people who knew him personally saying, uh, hey, he fits the fucking bill. Yeah. And they were still like, ah, nah, clean cut law student, white guy, nah. And that is is negligence. Yeah. But, I mean, it does apply to other serial killers as well. It's like the Zodiac as well. Like, he's sending them letters. But because they don't have a record of him or, like, his DNA or fingerprints or whatever, he just gets away with it. Basically forever. We still don't know who that motherfucker was. Unless it was Ted Cruz's dad. No, Ted Cruz himself. Ted Cruz's dad killed JFK. Or Ted Cruz. That's that's the one. Ted Cruz is a Zodiac. (laughs) So... At this point, we're going to gloss over quite a few more victims. Uh, what's most important right now is that with suspicion rising in Salt Lake City and the surrounding suburbs, as well as well as his failed abduction attempt, Bundy directed his crimes east towards Colorado. Also worth mentioning in the time period we're glossing over is Ted meeting with the re- meeting and beginning a relationship with Carol Ann Boone, who will become a more important part of the story later on. Another person to wait a second. I put a pin in that name. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're we're going to keep the pin there. Okay. I, I mentioned it twice. I couldn't remember if I had taken that part out or not if I had uh if I had mentioned that twice. Uh, you can you can keep the pin there. Okay, cool. Uh what what were we linking her to in the first part? She was she would become important. Uh, we his, didn't hear about Carol Ann Boone yeah. in the first part. She was just mentioned that he had a relationship okay. with her. But she become more What was important. she doing when she was mentioned? She uh, she was a DES agent. Yes. That's what it was. I was going to say, yeah. wasn't she like with the cops? Like, Yes. Okay. So another person. So now he's dating her. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so another person, Ted Bundy, would be. Uh, he said that he dated at least a dozen women in Salt Lake. Excuse me. At least a dozen women in Salt Lake City uh, while he was still with Elizabeth Clover. Jesus Christ. What a bitch. Because he'll still be in a relationship with Clover. Uh, after his arrest. Okay. (sighs) Prioritize safety, ladies, but also get out of there. Get out of there. So another person Ted Bundy would begin a relationship with during this time was Jesus Christ. As he was baptized into the Church of the Latter-day Saints, although he would be excommunicated less than two years later after his first arrest. Now we... (laughs) (laughs) is that not mormons yes yes (laughs) yes dude yes yes ted bundy was baptized into the mormon church when he was in salt lake city he was like the speed run world champ at that point had to be (laughs) (laughs) he took the weirdest fucking side quest I would like to dedicate my life to jesus christ but specifically the one who came to america like yeah what so now we do holy shit oh my god we do have if i was a worse person there are like 12 jokes i could make right now oh for sure i had so many swirling around in my head but they are just not good for the subject matter nope yep i'll tell to you later yeah same (laughs) so now we do have to take a moment to address the youngest victim of ted bundy's violent murder spree outside of the alameda junior high school in pocatello idaho on may 6th 1974 12-year-old Lynette Dawn Culver was lured into Bundy's car, taken to his Holiday Inn hotel room, 
subjected to his usual M.O., and then drown in the hotel room bathtub. We mentioned this not for the... Jesus Christ. Yeah, we mentioned this not for the sake of depressing or shocking our listeners, but to highlight the depths of depravity that this sick fuck descended into, and highlighting a less discussed part of Bundy's warped mind. We all know he was a rapist, and we know that he was a murderer. We even know that he was a necrophile. But rarely do you ever hear Ted Bundy referred to as a pedophile. While he could have possibly mistaken a 17 or even a 16-year-old for a young-looking adult, there is no denying that he intentionally went to both a high school and a junior high school in search of victims. And with that... Yeah, he knew what he was doing. With that fact rattling around in everyone's brain, we're going to end this episode. He knew and what he was doing. Le- we are less than halfway through yeah, this I know. second part of the script. Yeah. Currently, by the way. Wow. For those yeah. of you who don't know, junior high school is what we used to call middle school. Right. Yeah. Like, that's discuss- That's a sixth grader. And that's, no, that's I yeah. wanted to I wanted to mention sixth this. Or because it's like 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 I wrote and like Don just narrated. We know, we hear Ted Bundy called all sorts of things. A murderer, a rapist, a necrophile, a psychopath. But he was also a pedophile. And nobody ever fucking talks about that. And I think that it's important to link it to the rest of him. That There is this connection between all of those things in Ted Bundy. And I think that it's something that should be talked about more often and analyzed more often in cases like this. Because I think that if you really dug into it, you would find that there were uh, a lot more instances of this. Because like Albert Fish also uh, victimized underage boys, correct? That's pretty much all he victimized. The the one that... And he was... The one that cost him everything was when he actually went after Grace Bud, which was just because he realized that her older brother was too too beefy of a boy for him to overpower. So he went for the girl instead. And that's right. pretty much what brought him down in the end, even though she was one of his first. And I think that's part of the reason, too, that we were able to have more comedy when we were talking about, like, Ed Gein, uh, partly for the fact that his victims were already dead, yeah, and that there wasn't a a direct sexual satisfaction and coming be- out of his murders, yeah, um, but also that they were all his mother's age, intentionally, and yeah. that and that was part of it for him. Yeah, I would not feel bad if people joked about my death ten years after I die or whatever. I unless I was twelve when I died, right? <laughs> like, I, exactly. So that's my view of it. Like if if I'm eighty years old, or unless something when, horrible happened to me, as is the case with Carl Tanzler, so yeah. on and so forth. Well, see, but it's I would even say if if I'm eighty years old when I die, and then somebody like digs up my body and does just something really funny with it, you know, like like they take me home. And they they put me on like one of those like uh, skeleton stands, you know, where they stand up and yeah. they like dress me up for for the holidays. Like yeah. they put me in a skeleton suit for Halloween yeah. and Santa costume for Christmas. No, that's good. That's funny. That's good. I that's endorse funny. that. Actually. Yeah, I 
yeah, if that was if there was like paperwork that I could sign, I would that allowed that. that yeah, one hundred all over it because that would be funny. like donating my body to science, but to comedy instead. Yes, I want to <laughs> donate my body to comedy. Like, Let me be a prop for Carrot Top. I want to be the skull in Hamlet. <laughs> I know that's not comedy, but I to me it is. <laughs> All right, everybody. So we're gonna wrap this up. Uh, just a reminder that right now we are doing um, a special that uh, for every twenty dollars that we get on Patreon, we will do a bonus episode. And anyone who joins Patreon or is already on Patreon, we haven't decided on an end date yet, will be entered into a raffle. And we'll receive any, uh, or we'll receive one of the multitude of research books that I have. We'll autograph it if you want it. Uh, a lot of them have my notes and uh, underlinings and stuff like that in it. Um, we're getting up real, real close to our 100th deep dive, which is going to be a major one. Um, and uh, getting really excited. A very major. Very major one. One of the one of the big big ones. But um, we got a couple more episodes to go before that. Um, I don't think there's any more housekeeping that needs to be done. Uh, make sure you no. Nope. You'll be joining us again next week for the the conclusion, the big climax and conclusion of well, I mean, uh, I can't, a Ted Bundy's. Kind of already did the climax. Nope. Yeah, we talked about his execution the first paragraph. Uh, that is that's the wind down. Oh, okay, that's the resolution, not the climax. Yeah, gotcha. mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. You're right. That's that's the resolution. No, the the climax takes place in Florida. Oh, I know. All right, guys. So thank you so much for listening. Uh, fuck cancer. Fuck the bitchels. Fuck Ted fuck Bundy. Cancer. Be good to yourselves. Shout out to the plant moms and the plant babies and their moms. And fuck Ted Bundy. Fuck Ted Bundy. Gein was like not as bad. <laughs> and we will talk to you guys <laughs> what next. What a hot take. <laughs> <laughs> Bye. Bye. Bye.